and welcome to the On Your Marks Book Review Podcast with me, Jonathan Marks. This week I had the absolute pleasure of reading and reviewing the book The Fail-Safe Startup by Tom Eisenman. Tom is a professor of entrepreneurship at Harvard Business School. He's a widely published author of both academic texts and books for practitioners and entrepreneurs. He's written dozens of business school case studies, and I think it's fair to say that he is an absolute authority on the subject. If you're detecting some intellectual puppy love here, you're 100% right. I'm a great admirer of the good professor and an enthusiastic user of many of his case studies on my MBA courses. What I appreciate most is that Tom, and I feel it's okay to call him Tom like we're great buddies, even though we're not, so forgive me for my over-familiarity. So what I appreciate is that he brings the discipline of academia to a practical purpose. There are thousands of entrepreneurship academics examining the minutiae of the subject, most of which have little or no practical value, and speak almost entirely to a closed audience of other academics, kind of like some obscure secret society with their own language rituals and practice, and the rest of us cling around the edges imagining that this is the high watermark of all human achievement, but of course my friend Tom is different, and this book is a perfect example of that difference. The book sets out to understand the knotty problem of why startups fail. Really great question. We are so obsessed with startup success, yet we often forget that failure is a more likely outcome for most early stage businesses. Tom conducts good quality research on the subject, involving dozens of interviews as well as drawing on his more than 20 HBR cases on the subject and other primary data sources. I mention this because so many business books today written by self-proclaimed experts Usually some entrepreneur or business executive is trying to reinvent themselves after early business success and suck at the teats of the international lecture circuit, seem to lack the rigor of proper research. Of course not so with my boon companion Tom. I must note that the book draws on cases and data from a very specific subset of the human race, Harvard Business School students and alumni who have raised venture capital funding, probably a group about as small as those who've gone into space, And so the lessons drawn from these cases may not apply to the rest of us mere mortals. Obviously, context is an issue as well. These are startups mostly located in the US, which has a well-functioning and buoyant capital market and sophisticated consumers with plenty of disposable income. I don't mean to suggest that the African context is devoid of these market features, just that the lived reality here is a little different from that of Cambridge, Massachusetts. The book is organized around three sections, launching, scaling, and failing. Based on his research, Eisenman has identified common themes within the businesses he examined that mark moments or actions that have led to startup failure. Each theme, well really more like principles than a theme I guess, is carefully discussed and unpacked using one case study as the example. The cases range from high-tech such as Better Place, an Israeli startup that was a front-runner in the electric car industry, to Baru, a more localized business involved in dog-sitting and dog-daycare. Interesting aside, though, I learned from the book what the word Baru means. It's urban slang for a common canine behavior exhibited when a dog hears an unfamiliar or enticing sound. On hearing such a sound, many dogs will tilt their head to one side in a questioning manner. At least I understand now why my dog does that. Anyway, back to the book. The principles Eisenman identifies seem to be the result of carefully examining the fabric of failed business, 
So often, he says, in the post-mortem of a failed business, people say, oh, the business ran out of money. This is, as Eisenman says, a little like saying the patient died because she lost too much blood. What he wants to know is why that occurred. So without repeating all the details that are already in the book, I thought I would pick up on one theme from each stage, launch, scale, and failure, as a kind of intellectual appetizer for those who intend to read the book at some stage. From the launch section, the theme, Good Ideas, Bad Bedfellows, really resonated with me. Eisenman discusses the business Quincy, one he actually invested in as an early-stage investor, and which was focused on providing better-fitting, better-looking, and more affordable work apparel for young professional women. Tom says that the two founders' initial work that they presented to him and the preparation they had done was absolutely flawless. They conducted fantastic research and slavishly followed the lean startup methodology. While product demand was good and repeat purchases were strong, there were some production problems, although the key issue was that the burn rate of cash meant that they needed to raise more capital within the first 12 months. This proved unsuccessful, and the pair found themselves at odds with what to do next. Each founder had a different strategy, and when the board voted in favour of one approach, the co-founder was pushed out of the business. This is the crux of the good idea, bad bedfellow problem. A business with a promising idea fails to reach its potential because of differences or dysfunction within the founding team or with key resource partners such as investors. In the end, says Tom, it's all about fit between the founders and their partners and stakeholders, and also about skill, ensuring that there is industry knowledge and entrepreneurial skill in the founding team. In the scaling section, I absolutely loved the chapter called Moonshots and Miracles, mostly because it focused on the case of the Israeli startup Better Place, which I use in one of my MBA electives. By the time the dust had settled on Better Place, the company had burned through almost a billion US dollars and had very little to show for it, apart from a handful of electric car owners in Israel and a network of beautifully designed charging stations that were hardly ever used. The Better Place story, according to Eisenman, illustrates a scaling problem. The founding team has a moonshot idea. The term moonshot is entrepreneurial parlance for an idea that's a huge long shot and that will need massive effort and investment, but if it pays off, could alter the course of humanity. Think the launch of Sputnik by the Russians in 1957, or for that matter the US first moonwalk in 1969. What these moonshots need, said Eisenman, is a set of cascading miracles. As he describes it in the book, and I quote, In short, Better Place fell victim to a late-stage failure pattern I call cascading miracles. With this pattern, a startup pursuing bold innovation faces many big challenges, and a shortfall with any one of them will be sufficient to kill the venture. Consequently, the startup needs a cascading set of miracles in order to succeed. End quote. To make this even more challenging, very often the founder of a company seeking a moonshot is a monomaniacal founder, someone with a fervent belief in her audacious vision and a relentless drive to bring it to life. These people can be the greatest asset to an early stage business, but likewise the greatest liability as the business grows. And these people are often narcissists, of which according to a Harvard Business Review article on the topic, the startup world has seen plenty of examples, including Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and Larry Ellison from Oracle. In the final section of the book, entitled Failing, really a roadmap for how to fail with some degree of grace, I thought the chapter entitled Bouncing Back was very powerful. 
In it, Eisenman explains how failed founders go through a process of recovery, reflection, and then re-entry back into the workplace or the startup world. Again, drawing on interviews and research with the founders whose stories were told in the book, he tells some harrowing tales of the emotional stress of failure and the long and painful road of recovery. This quote from Nikki Durkin, the founder of a failed venture called 99 Dresses, seemed to sum it up rather well. My first instinct was to apologize to my co-founder, to my team, my investors and to the loyal community we'd built. I felt shame, embarrassment, like a shepherd who had let her sheep off a cliff when it was my responsibility to keep them safe. I logically knew that I shouldn't feel these things, but emotions aren't always logical. In fact, I didn't really know what I should be feeling. I'd been working on this company ever since I finished high school, so 99 Dresses was all I'd ever known. It was a huge part of my identity. I was the 99 Dresses girl. Who was I without the startup? I had no idea. End quote. The reader thankfully gets closure as Eisenman details what happened to each of the entrepreneurs after their adventure failed. Rest assured that they're all fine and well and conquering the world in their own unique way. Well, if you haven't picked up already, I love this book. These are my people, and I feel so proud that this has emerged from the ivory tower of Harvard and not from some snotty tech billionaire who thinks because he got lucky he has a message to share. I think this book enters the realm of essential startup books, along with the lean startup and business model generation. I'll certainly be wrapping mine in plastic and keeping it under lock and key. That is, until I get myself to Harvard one day and have it signed by the maestro himself. So in the week ahead, there'll be a change of pace as I read Philippe Sand's book, East West Street, on the origins of the terms genocide and crimes against humanity. Please do look out for that review next Tuesday. So wishing you all a fruitful and wonderful week ahead. Mm-hmm.